From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. There are two bottlenecks for uh, uh, powder bed fusion processes. One is size, and the next is uh, speed. Okay, so you can't make large-scale components on powder bed fusion processes, and that speed is also very low. It's about uh, like 0.1 you know grams per hour, which is uh, very low compared to the DED standards. So this is where DED comes into picture. So how do we make this uh, you know additive manufacturing faster and also at the same time build large-scale components? So I don't think that these two are competitors. I would say you know they complement to each other. So each process has got its own uh, niche, uh, you know, application. So again, DED process is also a, you know, it's a, it has several different processes. Underneath, I would classify DED based upon um, feedstock. Okay, you can apply either powder or wire, and uh, even under powder or wire, you can have different heat sources. So this is how you know will create. Uh, a unique AM process. You can have a different com- uh, permutation combination for a heat source and also for a heat storm. That was Yash Bandari. Yash is an additive manufacturing project manager at Meltio. Yash has over 10 years of experience with directed energy deposition 3D printing processes, having had the opportunity to work with all three heat sources, including arc, laser, and electron beam. Meltio is an AM machine manufacturer focused on DED, offering a solution that can use either or both wire and powder feedstock. As you can probably guess from the introduction, we're going to dive headfirst into a conversation about DED processes and their evolution in the 3D printing sector. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, why don't we just get started with a little bit of background and how did you start in maybe the manufacturing and in manufacturing space? Sure. Yeah, thanks. Firstly, uh, thank you very much uh, for having me on the, your show. I've uh, been following your show for quite a long time and uh, yeah, I've been seeing, um, I've been uh, listening to you know, uh, good speakers and their background. So I thought, uh, why not have a conversation with you? Um, so yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you very much for having me again. Uh, so uh, my background is uh, manufacturing engineering. Um, I started my venture into additive manufacture in um, around 2010. At that point, at that point, um, like man- uh, 3D printing, additive manufacturing was a buzzword actually, and people were making nice tool, uh, toys out of powder, plastics, and that's when you know the desktop metals, uh, metal printers or desktop printers, they were getting you know get coming into the limelight actually. So uh, there was a lot of traction. People were talking more about it, and uh, that's when I also got interested and um, started my master's thesis in metal additive manufacturing. And uh, I, I started with big because I think, uh, you know, thinking big and also making large scale parts will make, uh, you know, more, more sense for additive manufacturing, more savings, you know. And so, yeah, that's how I got into DED processes. So I started with wire uh, art additive manufacturing and um, I didn't plan for a PhD after that. I was always interested, you know, to go into consulting sector, you know, like a banking sector, because uh, I was always a big fan of like interacting to people, get to know more about the people, their perspective. Um, but um, during my master's thesis, I had an opportunity to present my uh, thesis work at an international conference. And uh, 
and the organizers they liked it and um i was lucky enough to you know um win a scholastic award during my you know presentation and uh, that's when i realized the potential of uh, you know large scale additive manufacturing bd processes and then i took a bit of time like uh, i worked for an automobile company as a technical manager um, for about 9 months and uh, during that 9 months um, i spent quite a bit of time uh, just thinking about uh, if i need to do a phd or not and what are the different opportunities because i got a plan my life um, as well after uh, after the phd so um yeah i got an offer from cranfield university because at that point of time i think cranfield university uk was the only university uh, which was doing uh, a good job a good work um uh, in wire uh, arc additive manufacturing and then i approached uh, you know professor stuart williams and uh, i had to go through a couple of rounds of interview and uh, that's how i landed uh, in the uk so it was a big leap from india to uh, to the uk and i finished my phd in 2017 and uh, again it was uh, in one of the conferences i learned about opish national lab that they were also you know researching large scale additive manufacturing metal additive manufacturing and uh, it was kind of you know they were just about to start um, especially wire based additive manufacturing so i thought uh, you know i could use my skills you know to develop the process and work with a you know high reputable uh, organization like okrich and that's how i got into okrich uh, big leap from the uk to the us uh, it was a good opportunity you know working with uh, diverse backgrounds um it's a big organization okrich national lab 5000 people and um again during my postdoc at okrich national lab i realized that i'm not an you know uh, like research or i mean basic science is not my cup of tea um i realized that after talking to many industry people my interest and where my focus lies because uh, um, there has been a less demand basically um for the people who have uh, both technical and business background but i always um, was interested you know in having um um in having this technology adapt to this uh, um new technologies so that's when i came to know about ewi um during one of those uh, conferences and um that's when i joined ewi and then later uh, meltio so i'm the product manager here at pentio and uh, it's about 6 months and uh, it's been a roller coaster ride uh, here um, in uh, you know meltio just as a small uh, startup company it's a medium size for a dd uh, company but uh, it's been a roller coaster uh, there has been so much of enthusiasm um, you know for a you know startup like company <laughs> awesome and so going back a little bit um so you you'd spent some time in oak ridge I've had the pleasure of going down to was it the MDF the manufacturing demonstration facility center I forget what what the the last letter always is but yeah the um, manufacturing demonstration facility for for those who are just listening and may not be familiar with kind of Oak Ridge's um heritage in in additive manufacturing can you describe a little bit of what's going on there because I think it's um pretty neat of kind of what's what's going on there and and certainly um for someone that's that's worked there probably some some added insights of, kind of the focus like what does a national lab have to do with additive manufacturing yeah absolutely um if i wanted to say something in a nutshell um i would say this way so if anybody wants to learn about additive manufacturing in general if anybody wants to see different processes if anybody wants to know more about the processes materials then i think okrish national lab is one shop stop because 
on their on their shop floor they have literally all processes all machines from major manufacturers different brands and uh, their specialization um, they, they, they have got good expertise uh, in robotics and um, uh, tool path planning softwares materials um, which is um, you know which all form a vital part you know for IT manufacturing so um, so what is it to do with the national lab of course so um, one of the main things uh, that national lab is um, um, investigating is uh, the national security right so this additive manufacturer uh, is uh, one of the you know pivotal which which will help for the na uh, national security so it can be in any tech, uh, in any sector can range from aerospace to space to even defense and marine so they have a good collaboration with you know army defense um, and then they're working um, on all innovative projects, you know, so as to help this, you know, army defense go ahead, go for the next mile, and uh, with the new innovative studies. And, and um, it, so, when I joined MDF, it was a small organization, but now um, it has like tripled or you know, like four times what I saw in seventeen. And uh, yeah, they are in the limelight for for all the good reasons. They are, I know, they've got good materials background, scientists and uh, robotics. And uh, yeah, I feel uh, you know uh, myself to be you know lucky at the same time. Um, I really enjoyed uh, my stay, you know, rubbing shoulders with the great scientists, and uh, yeah, all of them. And I had exposure for literally all the uh, different AM processes that I'd been worked on previously. For sure, probably a little bit weather better weather in Knoxville than in uh, or than in Cranfield, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, you lived in the UK, so um, well. I mean, it's never summer, you know, like there's a saying, you know, sun goes as a tourist to the UK, not to actually live in as a tourist, actually. So uh, it was all chilly and, um, you know, rainy during summertime. Um, but yeah, Knoxville was a different, uh, you know, experience, a transition. And uh, yeah, that part of the, um, the US is, I think it has nice four seasons and uh, Smoky Mountains right next to it. So we had um, many you know, fun activities. <laughs> So getting back to Adiv, so you spent kind of your career looking at, or a lot of your career looking at kind of the DED processes. Um, can you just give a kind of a high level, like what's, what's DED? There's some several types of kind of subcategories in that kind of what's the focus of kind of your research and then maybe going into kind of what does Meltio do in, in the process? Sure. Yeah. So um, DED, they are um another class of uh, additive manufacturing. Um, so in general, I um, classify additive manufacturing into two types. One is powder bed fusion processes, and the next is the uh, DED process. So the main difference is um, between these two um, big class of um, processes is you don't need support um, for uh, DED process. I mean, that's not the deal, but for powder bed fusion process, you have a nice bed, which acts as a support, and uh, you have two main processes under part of it fusion processes. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to DED, um, there are two bottlenecks for uh, uh, part of fusion processes. One is size and the next is uh, speed. Okay, so you can't make large scale components on part of fusion processes. And that uh, speed is also very low. It's about uh, like 0 0.1 you know, grams per hour, which is uh, very low compared to the DED standards. 
So this is where DED comes into picture. So how do we make this um, you know, additive manufacturing faster and also at the same time build large scale components? So I don't think that these two are competitors. I would say you know, they complement to each other. So each process has got its own uh, niche uh, you know, application. So again, DED process is also a, you know, it's a, it has several different processes. Underneath, I would classify DED based upon um, feedstock. Okay, you can apply either powder or wire. And uh, even under powder or wire, you can have different heat sources. So this is how you know, we'll create uh, a unique AM process. You can have a different com uh, permutation combination for a heat source and also for a feedstock. So um, I was actually fortunate enough to have worked on all four main DED processes at different organizations. So, um, so <clears throat> one of the uh, main uh, advantages, uh, one of the main advantage of um, DED process, apart from size, is uh, even its cost compared to PBF processes. So this is where Meltio comes into picture. Okay, so <clears throat> we want to make this, uh, you know, DED process as affordable as possible. But not just that, how do you uh, leverage the advantage of different feedstocks? Okay, so most of the competing uh, technologies in the AA market, they, they either um, <clears throat> apply powder or wire, but um, each one of them, they have their own advantage, right? So, so Meltio here, uh, we leverage the advantages of both powder and also wire and combine them inside a single machine. So thereby leveraging the, you know, basically <clears throat> you can make you know, intricate parts, fine details with powder. You can make quick, solid, thick parts using wire at a cheaper cost. So depending upon, you know, the application, depending upon the geometry, material, uh, you can either switch from powder to wire or vice versa uh, inside um, our machine. So I think uh, you know uh, we are the only ones in the additive market to have this kind of technology. So all other technologies they either have either powdered or wire um, you know as a feedstock. But in our uh, machines we combine both powder DED and wire DED inside a single machine. Basically you don't even have to change the laser head. So the laser head it has provisions to feed both wire and powder independently or simultaneously. So again this creates a whole lot of avenues with respect to um, different types of alloys that you can make, you know, you know, you, you can have uh, you can switch between uh, materials whenever you want and um, different types of uh, researches is also possible right from, you know, functionally graded materials to higher drapey alloys to metal matrix composites to uh, shape memory alloys to, you know, low thermal coefficient alloys. So all of these are, uh, you know, possible um, on our, uh, on our machines. And the, probably this is one of the reasons why we are seeing a lot of interest, especially from uh, you know, research organizations like universities and uh, um, national labs. And suppose that kind of flexibility is a double-edged sword, right? Like you can try a lot of different materials, combinations, part geometries, but probably from where you're sitting as well is like you have so many options to explore and in industries to talk to that um, it's... I'm guessing it's overwhelming at times to, to say like, where do you start, right? What's, what are you trying to forecast of what's the market going to be? What sorts of parts and like, you could kind of manipulate the machine or the feedstock to do a lot of things well, but at some point you have to kind of focus. So do you have kind of a kind of 
stereotypically, I, I would, or kind of at a high level, what, what sorts of parts, what sorts of kind of case studies that are you guys seeing as kind of like, Hey, like when, when we talk about DED, like this is what resonates with our customers or potential customers. Yeah. I get asked this question uh, a lot of times. Um, so <clears throat> in a nutshell, uh, what I want to say is uh, our technology is uh, versatile. Okay. So we are not confining ourselves to aerospace companies who have been I mean, in the forefront for the last 20, 25 years for metal and manufacturing, but not just that. We have applications even in uh, you know, marine, um, defense, and uh, you know, oil and gas, automotive. So we don't want to constrict to only one sector. So we can make parts as long as it creates a business case and also it is viable to print uh, using our technology. Okay, so any, any typical alloy uh, or any customized alloy that is available in the form of uh, powder or wire, they can be applied, um, you know, in our technology, actually. And, and it's a uh, different type of powder as well, too. Like, or in, well, not, the alloys can overlap with powder bed fusion, but in terms of particle size distribution and shape, it's a little bit, it's a different kind of spectrum than powder bed fusion. Is that right? This is where, you know, DD process, um, this is what I, I like about DD process. Um, they don't really, um, you know, <clears throat> um, ask you to go for powder bed uh, fusion powders, which are very teeny tiny. They can range um, even less than 20 microns as well. And they, uh, so quality is um, foremost uh, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, PBF processes. But in case of DD, uh, as I said, it's kind of different, um, you know, when it comes to um, the powder quality you can use, you can you, you can get away with, you know, large size uh, powder particles too. We use anywhere between 45 to um, 90 microns, which is just a uh, standard particle size in the market. And uh, you don't have to worry too much about the quality, actually, uh, as you would worry um, in PBF processes, because you have a nice uh, bigger melt pool. Um, when you compare it to uh, PBF process, which is very teeny tiny, and even a small amount of moisture or humidity levels or temperature levels, uh, difference will create um, you know, a lot of porosity when, it, when you're building parts, actually. So this is where uh, you know, powder DED is uh, slightly easier, and you don't have too many process parameters to play with as well. In PBF, you have this you know, uh, laser, scan speed, um, feed rate. <laughs> exactly, a lot of lasers and upskin, downskin, and all this thing. But um, in powder DD, just like three main um, um, parameters, and um, you can actually see the metal pool. You can actually see the part which is growing. It's like an uh, what should I say? Uh, it's like a baby. You can see in the you know, in the in the stomach of, in the stomach of mother. You know, you can actually see it growing. Um, but in part of it, um, it's all immersed. Um, can't see unless it comes out. And um, yeah, and um, when it comes to you know. Uh, monitoring a DED process, it's slightly easier because you have different ways, different orientations, because you can actually see the part. Um, so this is where, you know, the qualification things comes into picture. You know, this is where some sectors are very stringent about their properties, qualification, certification, um, compared to others. So uh, it depends upon which, uh, you know, sector, which, what is the application uh, we are working on. Uh, but yeah, coming back to your original question about uh, the versatility, uh, we don't focus on a particular sector. I think, um, you know, it's since the technology is versatile, um, since uh, every technology has their own, you know, favorite material, 
um, and you can apply any material in this case. So um, you can apply in um, any sector actually. And I suppose there's some potential as well to potentially mix materials as you're building. Is that? Oh yes, okay. oh yes, yeah. So you you, you can mix materials uh, both in the form of powder and in the form of wires, and also in the form of powder and wire. So this creates um, again a lot of um, you know options and avenues. Um, there's a lot of interest in mixing powders to create customized alloys to enhance uh, you know properties. So that has been there for quite a bit of time. Um, and um, there have been many companies who are doing this kind of stuff and uh, mixing wires, you know, you can have similar wires or dissimilar wires. Similar wires will give, you know, an increase in deposition rates and dissimilar wires, you can make customized alloys and, uh, you know, you can have um, outside material to be different and inside material to be different uh, rather than having one, one same material across the thickness. Again, you know, you're thinking about functionality and saving costs and time. Um, but in our case, we can also mix powder and wire. So traditionally, um, I've just seen in the universities, a couple of universities, you know, where they had a wire feed system and also a powder feed system, um, arrangement was kind of complex and uh, there was too much of manual intervention. Um, they needed two, you know, people to turn on the powder feeder and wire feeder and then make sure that both of them, you know, they integrate, uh, <laughs> they synchronize at the same time. And it, it was like a hide and seek game going on. But um, you know, on our system, I think um, it's just you know you can program it, you can do it automatic or manual, whatever you know the user would like to have it. But uh, again, um, having a provision for wire and powder, you know, um, it opens up another area from uh, metal matrix composites. I think this is one of the area uh, that a uh, lot, lot many people they want to get into it because until now most of the people uh, they knew about this uh, FGMs and they worked on it and. Uh, uh, I think uh, it, it's at a point that, you know, there is nothing much new going on in the universities, actually. But when it comes to MMCs, because uh, of the lack of uh, uh, equipment itself, I, th I don't think they've done suit, I mean, a uh, good amount of uh, investigations. Uh, but with this um, the technology, with this arrangement, I think, uh, you know, there will be a whole different scope of works that can be done on, uh, you know, on Meltier's products. And what's your sense as you kind of work with Maltio and engage with customers and universities? Can you, can you describe a little bit of like, what's the typical organization like when you kind of are working on selling the machines and selling the technology into companies? Are you talking with a lot of materials engineers? Is it CEOs? You see the technology kind of what's that dynamic like these days with kind of who you're interacting with? Sure. Um, yeah, that's an um, interesting question. So yeah, I get I I talk to I think um, people who are just entering into uh, additive manufacture to the people who have been like working for twenty five years, like big DED companies actually. And uh, uh, I see everybody's background from where they're coming. It's evident from the questions that they ask. Um, but um, yeah, in a nutshell, because. Um, our technology is uh, very unique. It is not I mean, found in the textbooks or you know, in the papers, articles. So this is where you know, um, it, keeps, it, it keeps us you know, in the hunt compared to other technologies. And we have our own uh, unique things uh, uh, which are proprietary and uh, which makes sense uh, a lot of um, from additive manufacture. So yes, I do talk uh, you know, with manufacturing engineering background and with materials engineering and uh, sometimes 
I mean, uh, you know, people like your background, they thrill me with, you know, the material questions, related questions, uh, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. You know, so these are uh, some things, uh, I mean, we, we are also still at an um, medium TRL level. So it helps us to even, you know, lay our R&D. So this is one of the things what I do as well. I oversee R&D and, uh, you know, come up with, you know, more in innovative things that people would like to see in their equipment. So a couple of um, people, you know, who come from non-AM background, they were more interested in just, you know, looking at the uh, data sheets and uh, that's it. And a couple of case studies, basically. You know, we have this part, how much will, you know, your process save? It's as simple as it. They all talk about, uh, you know, numbers and, uh, you know, return of investment. When it comes to, you know, um, actual people who have been working, you know, um, you know, in the ED for the last 25 years, they're more interested into the inner details, the microstructures and, you know, the neutron diffraction, which I'm, again, still coming to know because <laughs> of my background. And uh, yeah, they are more uh, into uh, these uh, minute details and uh, how your process, you know, will make a difference in, uh, you know, um, in the parts that they want to make it. And they're also looking at a high TRL level. And uh, it's a good mix, I should say, um, because, um, you know, we can't take this technology we can only take this technology to an, uh, to a, an extent, but we need uh, these big companies also to work with us uh, to help uh, to help qualify the process, materials, and uh, the parts that we make. So yeah, we are currently working with some aviation companies and um, you know power sector companies uh, who have been you know showing a lot of enthusiasm um, from you know the standpoint uh, from price standpoint and then the uh, technology capability. And can you talk a little bit too about the general workflow more on like the software and design piece of this, because there's been certainly a push in the added manufacturing sector to build a lot of software tools for simulation and build management for kind of the traditional powder bed processes and support structures and things like that. But um, what's the environment, what's the ecosystem like on the software side? I mean, you guys are building a machine, but there's always software elements to that, whether it's interface or just helping your customers think about, all the different options that they have for um, feedstock and, and other parameters. Absolutely. Um, yeah, software plays um, an important role, uh, um, especially for DED processes. Um, uh, it might not be um, that important maybe for uh, PBF processes, uh, but uh, for DED because of two reasons, because you, are, you have a very big melt pool and controlling that melt pool is not easy compared to you know, small, smaller melt pools on PBF. And at the same time, uh, not just controlling the melt pool and how do you build a part without defects, okay? So like traditionally, uh, what people have been using in DED arena, because um, I've been talking to different uh, people from the industry. So um, so since this is, so this process does not require support, what people have been using are reverse machining strategies, okay? so. You know, if, if you're, you know, mill, milling a part and you just reverse the toolbar strategies and, uh, you know, they are applied for DED processes, uh, they might work well for some geometries, but uh, they can't be generalized for all the geometries, actually. Because, you know, just for an example, um, for machining process, if you want to do um, an intersection, you go twice, but um, in case of additive, if you are, you know, um, going in this two direction, you would have it built up at the center, right? So, so you, you have to have a different uh, strategies or you can't use the reverse 
machining strategies uh, for uh, DED process. So um, we work with uh, different uh, software companies as well. Um, we work with, um, you know, um, uh, Delcam or no, it's called Powermill, uh, sorry, Autodesk. And uh, they have been doing a um, good job for the last, you know, 10 years or so. Uh, traditionally, they have been a machining uh, company, um, toolpath software, um, they were providing for, some, for machining. Um, even they started with you know, the, the reverse machining strategies, but then they realized that there's you know, more to that actually. And they have been creating custom um, you know, post processes for different um, companies and different machines. And uh, yeah, they have been helping us uh, a great deal actually. And um, yeah, and also it depends upon different geometries. So for different geometries, you have to have different toolpath strategies. And also, this is only from manufacturing standpoint. And from material standpoint, okay, you can't use a particular strategies because this will result in a different cooling rate, for example, which might be detrimental for uh, uh, microstructure or defects. So uh, both have to be taken into consideration and um, there has to be a trade-off as well. Um, because first and foremost, you have to build the geometry right to the dimensions. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you have you should also not compromise our defects or microstructure. So all of these things uh, have to be taken care of for any DED software. And uh, I think uh, this is an you know one of the myths. Um, what people think it's software is simple and you can apply. But uh, when it comes to qualification certification, I think uh, this is uh, software um, is um, it, it shouldn't be underrated actually. It has to be you know, one of the top priorities, uh, apart from the material studies and you know, the other investigations. For sure. And you see that as well in this process where it's not just about what's building. You have to, there's some interpretation of post-processing. What are you going to do after the fact? And how would you inspect this both in situ and then after it's being produced, right? So, I mean, everyone in additive is looking at those problems or problems Absolutely. or challenges as, as it gets more towards production and use parts and getting out of just the serial process and larger. Yeah, for, for, uh, so for maybe like, you know, for one-off parts, uh, maybe a simple software, you know, which can take into consideration all of the things I mentioned before might be okay. But uh, if you want to, um, you know, build serious uh, serial part production parts, uh, I think um, there needs to be an additional step, basically, you know, developing this closed loop control systems uh, within the software where it will also do in-situ monitoring, um, for example, looking at the melt pool or looking at the, the build height or looking at the defects and then developing the correction algorithms on the go, actually. So all of these things, they have to be integrated into the software. Uh, probably this is one of the reasons why DED is not, not yet um, you know, used by you know all companies to make their own parts, you know, because it's still in the um, like medium to high TRL stage, and uh, people are still working on what needs to be looked at, looked at, and uh, what needs to be controlled, and uh, what are the things that will go for the you know qualification uh, QA and QC basically. So we were talking a little bit before we we hit record that you kind of do time on both sides of the the country here, and so you guys are <laughs> kind of R and D is based in Nevada, is that right? Yes, yes. So our R&D facility um, is in Nevada, um, but we do. We are moving to East Coast. <laughs> uh, it's just our CTO was from uh, Nevada. He, I mean, uh, he had been living in, in Las Vegas quite a long time. So that's how you know he started this company, um, you know, Melchio. Uh, but most of our customers and uh, our main uh, factory or the warehouse 
is in Spain. So right now, uh, the time difference is nine hours. So by the time you know somebody gets up, it's you know it, it's a sleeping time you know for somebody else. Um, so yeah, we want to you know bridge the gap you know between our two locations and um, just looking at from the geography um, as well, like you know East Coast or you know like um, yeah, yeah, you're the first ones who are who are, you know who will be knowing that uh, we'll be moving to Florida. Um, in next uh, couple of months, um, so we're all excited about it. And as you know, Florida has lots of uh, aerospace companies, defense companies, and uh, it's one of the welcoming states as well, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> so um, yeah, we will be operating from Florida, and um, this direct flight to you know Madrid, which is where our right now uh, factory and uh, you know, our warehouse and. Uh, in the US, uh, we do mostly R&D. So uh, we develop our own lasers, optics, laser systems, powder feeders, um, and uh, we integrate it ourselves. Uh, we're not the company um, you know, who buys off the shelf and then integrate. Uh, probably that's the one of the reasons why our integration is rigid. And at the same time, uh, the cost is also um, affordable. And so given you kind of have a global footprint, is there any differences or any uh, different focus points for different geographies that you've seen over the last few few years of the technology Europe versus the US are there any trends that you've seen yeah absolutely absolutely I think um, um, so this DED process I mean let me take an example but especially for DED processes I think uh, Europe was um, I think uh, forefront compared to um, the U.S. So I mean, they had um, probably because of presence of large, uh, you know, uh, several aerospace companies um, in Europe. So they were actually the first ones, uh, if not the first ones, you know, more number of um, you know AM and uh, DED enthusiasts, and uh, that's how the DED process. Um, um, more number of DED processes um, um, have been investigated in Europe, and then now uh, I think um, during uh, 2010-ish. Um, then U.S. started, you know, um, investigating these processes, and suddenly there has been a huge, in, you know, interest, uh, you know, from the U.S. and, and then, uh, then the other follow-up countries, um, you know, uh, like Latin America and then uh, Asian countries also uh, followed them uh, accordingly. So yeah, when I talk to uh, different people from different uh, countries, um, uh, I mean, I do it in a different way. <laughs> Because uh, for some people, GED process um, or even just metal additive manufacturing um, might be something, you know, easy to understand. Or they have been, uh, you know, looking around, just, you know, just looking at um, what others have been doing in their own country. But for some countries, um, this is still a new process. And, um, you know, the type, of, the type of questions they ask and um, background they come from. Um, I have, yeah, I really enjoyed this, uh, those conversations as well. <laughs> and how have you seen the... You mentioned you do a lot of work with universities and, and larger companies. I mean, eventually, as this process of added manufacturing scales, especially on the DD front, um, more and more, kind of some of these small, medium-sized companies need in the supplier network are starting to get the technology. Has that kind of evolved yet? Is that kind of a stable network, so to speak, of... I would say um, it, it's uh, a combination. I would say um, so, some some of the people, um, um, couple of them, uh, they mentioned to me that one of the things uh, which, which stands out is um, the cost. 
uh, cost of metallurgy manufacturing. Um, it's high uh, when it compares to when they compare our machines with um, I know PDF machines, for example. Uh, but at the same time, they want to venture into IT manufacturing, no matter what, because they know the advantages. So they are looking at different processes. They want to downselect and then maybe pick one or two processes on their you know, shop floor. Um, so this is where most of our you know, most of the requests come actually. And uh, universities, all the research, everything starts at the university. So there were a couple of universities like you know um, like Penn State or you know um, other universities. They have been in you know in this additive arena for quite a long time. Um, so, I mean, uh, they know what, what the, the capabilities, but some other universities, again, they have, uh, you know, they're starting up this with this additive course, and then they want to incorporate this, uh, you know, different 3D printing processes, and they're, some of them are quite new. Um, so yeah, those experiences are also, um, you know, worthwhile, and uh, they have been also been uh, exciting. And, and then the other end on the power users, because um, yeah, most of the industries they don't publish what they're doing. Isn't it? They have their own, <laughs> they have their own, you know, um, set of standards uh, for themselves, and um, they have been in this DED process for quite quite a long time, and uh, they want to evaluate our process uh, with respect to cost and you know all the savings and all the good stuff, and uh, they're helping us, you know, with respect to you know certification qualification. Uh, so like we see each of the customers um, uh, to be. Uh, coming from a different background and uh, their uh, expectations are different. And then the way they, you know, uh, conduct their research or investigations are also uh, very different. <laughs> for sure. And kind of as we get towards the end of the conversation, for people who want to find out more information about kind of your technology or even see it, are there kind of places that you'd recommend? Are there upcoming conferences or ways that people can learn more about what you're doing at Meltia? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we actually officially launched at uh, um, AMUG, uh, Formnext actually. So that was in 2019. So we are a big fan of uh, AMUG and uh, Formnext. That's where we see lots of, you know, AM users coming onto a common, you know, ground and then interacting. So um, Formnext and AM, we always, um, you know, attend these conferences. Um, I know last year was, you know, um, it was a different year, <laughs> but, um, you know, I suspect, you know, even this year's Formnext might be virtual, or I don't know, but uh, if they're happening in real, we will be there. And uh, of course, um, we have our resellers in all big countries, actually, you know, right from, you know, North America to Europe to, you know, Asian countries. We have our resellers, master resellers, so um, if anybody wants to know more about our products, um, I mean, I didn't tell you more about our products, basically. I mean, we, we make small-scale 3D printers and also large-scale 3D printers. So um, there has been an, um, so last year was our first fully operational year, and there was a lot of interest from for small-scale, but now we are seeing a different trend. They're going for large-scale additive manufacturing uh, uh, units. Um, so yeah, if anybody's interested, um, they will see me in the conferences, either it is real or virtual. Uh, we will have our machines at, um, you know, AMUG, um, Formnext, and other different conferences as well. And um, of course, they can email me at any point. I like, you know, you know, um, you know, telling more about our, you know, I mean, your unique technology, and uh, even in gen in general, any, you know, any questions related to DED processes, or if they want any recommendations or suggestions. 
which process makes sense for their applications. You know, they can always, you know, uh, DM me or ping me, um, you know, at Meltios uh, website. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed the conversation today and I'll see you at AMUG in a few months, weeks. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm more than excited, you know, to meet you at um, AMUG uh, for our panel discussion. Again, uh, um, that, that panel discussion is also on DD processes, some of the mid-busters, some of the challenges. So when we can talk about, you know, current status, uh, if people are interested, they can, you know, um, register at, uh, you know, AMUG conference and uh, yeah. And then, yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me. And uh, it was a pleasure, a pleasure um, talking to you. Sounds good. And we'll throw up all the links to the website and videos and things when we, we post this as well. So thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, you have a very good uh, rest of your day. Thank you.